Just a quick word from our affiliates before we jump into the episode. SafePoint Loan Working App is a really simple way for you to manage loan working. Utilising what three words to get you pinpoint accuracy on the location of your people when you really need it. Get yourself a discount using the link and code in the description of this episode. Let's jump into today's podcast. So today we're going to talk about risk assessments. Hopefully you're all aware of what risk assessments are because um, whenever you ask for any advice from the HSE, they'll say, do a risk assessment. What is a risk assessment? Risk assessment, in my opinion, real short and sweet, is the best invention in business procedures ever. They're they're, they're flawless. They're they're safety professionals and a business's tool to get things done. However, your risk assessments are killing your safety culture. Today we're going to talk about why I think you're doing them wrong, why they're killing your culture, and if you listen till the end, we'll give you some tips on how to improve your risk assessments. So, let's get into the podcast. Health and safety is almost a victim of its own success. We need an oppressive regime of health and safety regulation. A huge fire engulfs a tower block in London. Children being forced to wear goggles to play conkers at school. Worst oil field disaster, 164 dead. Rebranding Safety, the modern health and safety podcast, crushing the stereotype. Brought to you by Risk Fluent and your host, James McPherson. What's up safety people, welcome back to Rebranding Safety, this is episode 5, Risk Assessments, you are doing them wrong, brought to you by Risk Fluent, my name is James McPherson, if you haven't already come find us on Facebook at forward slash Risk Fluent or Twitter at Risk Fluent, something you want us to talk about, something that annoys you about health and safety, let us know, drop us a message, drop us a comment, let's see if we can't work it into our schedule or have a chat about it if you're listening on anchor drop us a voice message let let me hear from you so first things first as much as uh, as you get to know me and i get to know you you'll start to learn that i'm not a massive advocate of reading the law and talking about what the law says um we don't really need to focus on it if i'm honest um if we do our risk assessments which we're going to talk about today but if we do them well then we will be compliant um, so I really I'm a massive advocate of not focusing on being compliant and doing the bare minimum I'm focusing on risk assessments and that's pretty much how health and safety in my opinion should be done so anyway let's talk about law so what does the law said so the management and health and safety at work act is the main piece of law around risk assessment that details the requirement for risk assessment what does it say it says every employer shall make suitable and sufficient assessment of the risk of health and safety of his employees to of his employees to which they are exposed whilst at work and the risk to health and safety of persons not in his employment out of or in connection with the conduct by him or himself also mentioned specific risk assessments around young persons and new mother risk assessments. Uh, it's pretty simple. Basically, if you're under 18, if you employ someone under 18, then it is a specific risk assessment. And uh, if you've got a worker who is pregnant or is breastfeeding, they need a new uh, mother risk assessment. You can find guidance for that on the HSE. So you might remember in the first podcast, I mentioned 
well, I think it might have been the second podcast, actually. It's second podcast, because po- episode one was a bit of a joke. So, anyway, back to the point. I mentioned that you don't have to record en- everything. So, what does the law say about recording? The law says, where the employer employs five or more employees, he shall record the significant findings of the assessment and any group of his employees identified as being especially at risk. I'm just going to repeat that. Has to record the significant findings of the assessment and any group of his employees identified by it as being especially at risk. So if you take anything away from today's podcast, if you're on the way to work, you're walking the dog, you're on your way home, next time you look at one of your risk assessments, think, does it record the significant findings of the assessment and any group of employees identified by it as especially at risk? I, I guarantee the answer would be yes. So then, does it do more than that? Does it do too much? Have a think. Really, if we're talking about significant findings, there shouldn't be a lot on there. Okay, so now you know what the law says. You're probably thinking, "I'm already, uh, I already know that, James." So, what, what, what's different? What am I doing wrong? So let's let's talk about what I think, what, or what I see a lot of people doing wrong in risk assessments. In in short, guys, you're just doing too much. Think let's let's think about what it says above. It says significant, significant. So let's focus on that word for a second. If your boss said to you, "Hey, I'm going to give you a significant pay rise," or your banker says there's going to be a significant reduction in your mortgage monthly payments, for example, this significance a lot of money, isn't it? So if you're if you're thinking of a significant pay rise, you're thinking it's going to be quite life changing. You're going to go home. You say to the missus. Hey, let's book a holiday. I'm going to get a significant pay rise. So significant risk is not a paper cut. It's not slips and trips. You know, it might be in some areas. Slips and trips might be in an area, say, where you might have big uh, slips and trips on scaffolding, for example. You know, that's massive. Because if you slip or trip on a scaffold and something else is not in place or something else is not in place, which is normally how incidents happen it's a collection of things going wrong it's not just one thing it's a collection it's a build-up of things it's a domino effect we've all we've all heard and seen the videos etc around that so with that in mind let's focus on here the little quote from a book called mind your own business uh what your mda didn't teach you i think that's what it's called um but if you google mind your own business health safety book um that's what i'm talking about it'll come up so the quote in there is health and safety is not about children playing conkers or hanging baskets falling on your head it's about real risks real risks yeah so we we, we're just saying the same stuff over and over again but in different ways okay and let's i like a little analogy that we that's kind of in sport in when it comes to sport we're all very good at taking risks in sport because all of us are quite competitive and we get in that mind frame, yes, this might hurt, but this is sport and I love it. So my sport's rugby. So when I think about teams that are really good at assessing risk or being risky, uh, teams like Argentina and Scotland, for example, play a really 
ragtag, risky type of game, flinging balls all over the place. And they produce some of the, the most exciting rugby you watch in, in times. And yeah, they might lose some stupid games sometimes. And yeah, but sometimes they win some big games because they're risky. They're willing to take the risks. And I think that's starting to pay off for these teams. You know, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and we're talking about sport. You know, it's just that kind of, you watch them play. If you watch rugby, you know, you watch them play, they're risky. They're playing that they're kind of really scary, risky moves. You know, that's why a lot of people like Danny Cipriani at 10. He's the risky player, you know. He does stuff that not a lot of people would dare do. You know, they play conservative. He doesn't. He plays risky. And that's why people love him. But when it comes to health and safety, we seem to go the other way. We're so conservative, it's unbelievable. We're so risk-averse. We're all so scared of, of, of claims. And you might be sitting there going, yeah, I am. One big claim could shut my business down. Yeah, it could. But you know what? You're so scared of the claims that you record and control everything. And you're not realising that you're controlling nothing. You're actually exacerbating the problem. You're making it so much worse. You are the root cause of your claims, not your people. So let's go back to slips and trips. It's not a significant finding. It shouldn't be on your risk assessment, okay? So, but then you're saying, well, I've received a two grand claim, for example, and and they got it because a guy slipped and, and hurt himself. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But it doesn't need to go on your risk assessment. What you need is to do is to improve your housekeeping. That doesn't need a risk assessment. You just need to improve your housekeeping. You probably already have a risk assessment that includes housekeeping. It's probably your fire risk assessment. So... The systems are there, we just don't need a risk assessment for absolutely everything, yeah? So, kind of what I'm talking about here is is embracing a little bit of a risk and accepting that there will be residual risk. So, when we do our diplomas and we do general certs and so on, and we'll talk about um, qualifications and, and how I think that maybe the qualifications we get start the problem that we're in in the safety industry, but that that's another conversation for another podcast. Um, but they all talk about residual risk, but yet we seem to forget it. So let's have a think about some other industries then. So at the weekend, I watched the new Mission Impossible film because it was my birthday last week. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Yeah, moving on. Um, so I got the new Mission Impossible film and watched that. And I knew that in the filming of this, Tom Cruise uh, broke his ankle or snapped his lower leg. I can't remember. What, he broke a bone, basically. All right. Right, let's forget that it's an American thing and they might have different laws etc or whatever but i can't remember but i'm sure that bit was shot in england therefore it's applicable to british regulations but that aside we're a film we're a filmmaking business we are me and you right now we're a filmmaking business we're going to make a film a new james bond film or a new mission impossible film in london it involves helicopters car chases it involves people jumping off roofs it involves like fake explosions etc 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 with this stuff comes risk what i think these industries are really really good at is doing a true risk assessment they've done a risk assessment and said yeah it's worth it's worth the risk. We need to get this done. Let's do what we can to enable us to do this shot because we need to get Tom Cruise jumping off this roof. So they do a risk assessment to enable them to do the job. So you think about that. A film can risk assess Tom Cruise jumping off a roof, but you can't even risk assess you putting up a gazebo in the office garden. Alright? Come on, guys, let's come back down to the real road, road and real world, sorry, and start thinking about what we're doing here.
another one. I went on um, da, 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 a, what what do you call them? A Skype call? No, a conference call. It was on a conference call, uh, and the head of safety or head of risk, I think, for ITV was on there, and they said that the what they do now with their risk assessments is they ask themselves one question before they do anything: What risk are we willing to take? Now think about that, ITV are going to be sending TV news broadcasters into war zones for you to get your risk, your, your news story, sorry. How, do you got, how are you going to risk assess that? Like I said, you guys can't even risk assess brushing. You know, you've just said, oh, we've got to get a new brush. Why? Because you might die on that brush handle. These guys are risk assessing someone going into a war zone or Tom Cruise jumping off a rooftop. Risk assessing is not hard. It really isn't hard. And we'll talk about some tips of how to do it properly. But first thing, guys, just listen to your gut. If you look at something and you go, oh, shit, that's going to hurt, then it probably will hurt, and I think it's probably significant. If you look at something and go, well, that's a bit over the top, it probably is. So, <clears throat> now we've talked about risk assessments a little bit, and we've talked about why we think you're doing wrong. Let, let's start talking about what people are doing that enables them to do these risk, these crazy risk assessments for Tom Cruise jumping off a roof. They're focusing on what we were always supposed to focus on, which is reasonably practicable. Okay, so let's just jump back to the law for a second. But this time we're going to look at the health and safety of workout. So what does that say? That says, it shall be the duty of every employer to ensure, so far as reasonably practicable, the health, safety and welfare at work of all of his employees, his or hers. So far as reasonably practicable, what does that mean? It means you don't have to control everything. Yeah, it means reasonably practicable. Okay, so... That's, that's actually defined what the term reasonably practicable means. It's pretty much enshrined in UK law since um, Edwards versus National Cold War in 1949. Okay? So, in, in short, Mr. Edwards dies in an accident after supporting a structure for the mine roadway. Um, for the mine roadway, that gave way. Um, the National Cold War argued that it was too expensive to shore up all the roadways. So, in the conclusion, um, the judge stated. Reasonably practicable is a narrower term than physically possible and implies that a computation must be made in which the quantum of risk is placed in one scale and the sacrifice involved in the measures necessary for averting the risk, brackets, whether in time, trouble or money, close brackets, is placed on the other scale. That And that if it be shown that there is a great disproportion to between them, the risk being insignificant in relation to the sacrifice, the person upon whom the obligation is opposed discharges the onus which is upon him. Right, I hesitated a little bit there, guys, because it's quite difficult to read that statement, and there's also a dog barking outside, which is driving me insane. And it's not my dog which makes a change, because Sherry's out walking him, that's the only reason why. Um, so in short, guys, what 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 is that judge saying? That judge is saying it's cost versus risk. It's real simple stuff. In one scale we've got risk, and in one scale we've got cost. Yeah, it's it's really easy, but is it? It's not. I've done risk assessments. It's not easy. You can get really bogged down in the in the fact that you know something some stuff that isn't maybe not significant could actually hurt quite a lot. So what that means is you don't do risk assessments by yourself. 
because you need to be able to have these conversations around reasonably practicable to come up with a good solution, a reasonable solution, a practical solution that is based on reasonably practicable, that is based on cost versus risk. I am not saying it's easy. I'm really, really not. But if you don't do it alone, it becomes so much easier. If it needs, you know, granted, don't want too many people doing it, but if you need five or six people doing it, then do it. If you're going to risk assess a machine, I'd expect the machine operator, yeah? I'd expect the engineer that fix and fixes and cleans the machine. I'd expect the team leader of a shift or that shift or whatever. And then I'd expect the safety professional, right? And maybe even the safety rep. That's five people risk assessing that job. Safety rep gives you the the safety mindset from the the worker's point of view. The safety professional gives you the overall kind of law and risk-based approach point of view from his profession, his or her profession. The manager, the team leader, gives you that kind of procedural. Uh, organizational risk you know things that might slow us down they're very conscious of that stuff and quite rightly they should be we're here to make money aren't we we're here to produce products we're here to do something yeah so that's what they're there for they're also there for things like timing of shifts you know looking after their team the worker knows how to work the machine so they're there to say no this is how we actually do it and then the engineers to say this is what the machine can do okay this is what the machine um, might do if you do this or do that okay all those people create an easy risk assessment. So don't do them on your own, guys, and focus on reasonably practicable. So another reason not to do risk assessments on your own is something that I like to call, or, or I don't like to call it, I didn't name this, that's a bit of a, a rubbish thing to say. Uh, I most definitely didn't come up with this. Anyway, moving swiftly on. What the industry calls, or much clever people than me, call perception of risk. Yeah, so perception of risk. What's perception of risk? So I'll give the the kind of example I've always used for perception of risk is is my career. So my career in health and safety, I started in machines. So I started in a manufacturing of plastics. Um, so some of these machines were, God, miles long, absolutely miles long. Big spiked rollers that just looked like something that should be in Indiana, Indiana Jones. Um, explosive atmospheres you know real mechanical risks a lot of it was mechanical risks um a couple of chemical risks but real not real more more like gases if we're going to talk about that kind of thing so i got used to that and risk assessed that and kind of thrown in the deep end in my career but um that that was kind of what i got used to over the years um so then when it came to when I moved on to a different industry um, and they had much smaller machines, I was looking at these machines and going, hey, no risks there. You know, these are really low risk. And I actually really struggled in, in that job um, because these these um, machines were just were just so sig insignificant. They just weren't significant. And, and yet we had risk assessments for like 20, 30 different parts of the machine. And, and I thought it was way over the top. So I really struggled. Um, However, something else that I struggle with uh, is chemicals. So my I have no experience with chemicals whatsoever. Um, my only experience with chemicals is that episode of Breaking Bad where they try to dissolve a body. I think it is in a bath, and it goes through the through the roof and through well, not through the roof through the ceiling down into the ground. Um, and at that point, I was like, "Whoa, chemicals can do that? That's that is nuts." So I got quite I'm quite scared of chemicals. It, I don't I don't get them. They worry me, um, and, and things like that. 
but yet I could do a cost risk assessment. I would just have to have somebody who understands that chemical, who uses that chemical. Yeah, use the information provided by the manufacturer of that chemical. So when we touched on above not doing them on your own because of reasonably practicable, it also stems perception of risk. So if I would have gone over the top on a chemical, potentially, but that person who uses it goes, well, actually, no. If you don't use six buckets of it, then actually the risk is really low um, and we're only going to use two millimetres of it every once a week, for example. Um, so, so that's what I'm talking about, perception of risk, and that's a real dumbed-down, stupid version of what that means. But that essentially is it, guys. Be aware of your perception of risk, yeah? Sometimes we can be complacent, but sometimes we can be over the top as well. Yeah, so just be aware of that and don't do them on your own. Okay, so points for you to take away and improve your risk assessment. Just quickly, on a slight apology that apparently I'm sitting on quite a squeaky chair whilst recording this podcast and it seems to keep showing up in the recording, um, but I've recorded too much now to go back and start again. So my apologies, I will just not sit on this chair again going forward. Anyway, points to improve your risk assessment. First one, it be self-aware. Yeah, some of the, some of the most... Impressive people in any businesses have one skill, they're self-aware, yeah? So one, it'll help your career being self-aware, and two, it'll help your risk assessment. So what what do I mean by self-aware? I mean, be aware of your perception of risk, yeah? Be aware of your... um, your kind of personality and how you look at stuff and how you deal with stuff, okay? Be self-aware and ask yourself, what risk are we willing to take to get this job done, yeah? You need to ask that of the people you're doing the risk assessment, of the bosses that are telling you to go and do this risk assessment because we need to get this job done. Ask them, what risk are you willing to take? Make them be self-aware. What risk are you willing to take, boss? Because I damn near tell you they will not turn around and say, we're willing to kill Bob the engineer. They won't say that. So then we can have, then, we, it gives us a point to start from. So be self-aware, be aware of your perception of risk, and ask yourself and the team and your bosses, what risk are we willing to take? Next, you need to do what the law intended you to do, and that's focus on reason, be practicable. Stop trying to control every single risk and accept that there will be residual risk. Embrace risk. Risk is a good thing, yeah? Risk pushes us to be better, pushes us to switch on, okay? So don't try to eliminate risk because it's impossible. Focus on reasonably practicable. Next, focus on the significant, significant Pick these words out, reasonably practicable, significant, and focus on them. Because if it if it's not significant, it shouldn't be in your risk assessment. So ask yourself and ask the team that when they say this needs to go on a risk assessment, say, is it significant? And, let's, and listen to the answers you get. Next one, listen to your gut. We said it earlier, didn't we? If you look at it and you think, bloody hell, that's going to hurt, it's probably significant. If you look at it and think this is way over the top, it isn't significant. So listen to your gut, right? And third one, this isn't planned, so it's a bit off the hoof, but learn how to communicate. Improve, be better at communicating because you've got to communicate well in the team of risk assessors, but then also you've got to communicate that risk assessment out, okay? So involve these people in it. Don't do them alone, yeah, but but communicate with them and cleverly, yeah? So that kind of comes back to being self-aware. If you know you're not a good communicator or you know you've got a bad relationship with one of those persons, maybe you step out and you let someone else come in or that person steps out and someone else comes in, yeah? Don't, don't, 
let the risk assessment be a cause or a bad risk assessment is the result of your you know poor communication yeah so to just improve that if you do this right guys you will transform your business you will change the way risk is managed in your business and you'll start to it will start to be a good thing it will start to be an enabler yeah if we look at big corporations they have head of risk but they're talking about financial risk and that guy is a right hand man of the ceo he has a right hand person and they're there and they're like everything that is decided in a business gets run by this this financial risk guy but we, we don't seem to do that with health and safety with this weird person down the bottom of the pile with this hard hat and a clipboard and a high vis and all we're doing is walking around the office saying don't do that don't do that don't do that you need to change your image and you start by being self-aware and you will change that image you need to do that via your risk assessments because you will be able to say to your businesses hey we're going to do a risk assessment so that we can get this done that's what we need to do is change the way we're doing them sit in a business in a business meeting and say we need to risk assess this so we can do it okay not we need to risk assess this so someone doesn't die just change the way we talk about it see how much how much more people buy into it yeah i want you boss to be able to produce 15 more products a week for example so let's do a risk assessment on how we can do it so that's it guys thanks for listening i hope you uh, enjoyed that i hope you feel like um that that's going to help you going forward do you know what guys i really want to hear about this one i really want to hear from you if this is helping you um i want you to like our page on facebook please do it and give us a comment and just say hey i listened to episode five risk assessment i went and did what you said and i just changed the way i talk about it and it's really helped and my bosses you know change the way they they look at safety that's what i want to hear guys if you listen to us on anchor leave us a voice message i've not had one yet so i'm really interested to see how that works and i'll, and I'll come back to you as soon as i can um if you're on twitter follow us follow us at, at risk fluent um so this is another rebranding uh, safety episode brought to you by Risk Fluent. I've been James McPherson. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's helped you. And I really do hope it changes health and safety in your business and in your life. Have a good day, guys. See you later. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a shameless sponsorship clip in all seriousness guys we partnered up with drm group you know david mclean's been on the podcast time and time again we absolutely support his message and he's got a brand new online course to help you i'm gonna let him tell you all about it now the brain can be trained to think and behave differently to think in more positive and optimistic ways and there are steps that you can take to train your brain to feel good for good and we call this lasting positive change through our 16-day program, which includes daily videos and action sheets, taking you no longer than 15 minutes to complete a day. You will learn how to move away from thoughts of anger, hopelessness and frustration to a place of mental well-being and positivity. Okay, guys, so if you're interested, you can click the link below and get a discount, special rebranded safety discount. Full disclosure, we get a little bit kickback from that. So at the same time as improving your mental health, you can support your favorite health and safety podcast YouTube channel. I'll let you get back into the content.